<laughs> You're so kind. So one of the things that um, you know I've been doing is working with our legislators and um, our our city council, our um, our local politicians, and I'm actually in the talks of perhaps running for um, office. So. I know that's a that's a first. I literally this is why I'm dressed in red, white, and blue today. I just got back from um, Republican Republican women's um, uh, luncheon, um, so I'm all gung ho about what, what we have in store. And you know, I, I don't care which party any of you or us are affiliated with. I'm affiliated with the human race, and I'm affiliated with human dignity. And um, so one of the first things I would like to proffer to our, our politicians and our legislators who are listening, in fact, I'm going to reach out to one of the ladies that I um, had the pleasure of meeting with very briefly as she spoke this afternoon. Her name is, um, oh shoot, I don't have it. But anyways, I'll look her up and talk to her because she can actually make some policy changes. One would be the proffering, um, looking at um, continual spousal benefits for for um for the family you know even after the divorce happens mm -hmm. why because i have no health care benefits today right now i have none and cobra that's ridiculous it's you know a thousand a month are you kidding who can afford that so an affordable care act forget about that you want to know why i know that because when i went to go look for affordable care act something that was comparable to what i had which was amazing I didn't have TRICARE anymore at this point, but I did have Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois. So I go and look at look it up and find something comparable. $1,500 a month. That's not a fact. So I found other ways to do that. There are all kinds of discounts, discount plans available, ones that actually pay you back your premium if you don't use it. So we can do that on another podcast, but stuff like that, like I said, these things happened for me, not to me. Why? Because now I know that there are other opportunities for me to get health care in a not so, um, in an out-of-the-box way. Mm -hmm. So as a holistic wellness consultant, you know, I look at other things outside of what we as a society are used to looking at. You know, for instance, you know, we look at yoga. That's considered alternative health care believe it or not. That's alternative healthcare practitioning, you know, practitioning um, practitioners. And um, that falls under that because it is not your typical go in the hospital and get treated. It's yoga. It's nice, soft ebb and flow. Some of it's pretty, pretty seriously tough to do. I mean, you know, Bikram yoga is no joke. <laughs> uh, yoga hurts me. So <laughs> it's not supposed to hurt though. It's not supposed to hurt. And so um, anyways, I, so stuff like that, but also alternative healthcare also means looking at other health plans like that, like these discount programs, because not everybody can afford healthcare insurance right. and not everybody wants healthcare insurance. That's another story. I'd love to go on another podcast with you and we can talk about all things related to that part of healthcare, because this is really important for those that are getting out of the military that no, will no longer have any kind of insurance until they get a job. 
Right. In the interim, you've got something else to fall back on. And, you know, you don't have to be afraid about not getting discounts left and right. So that's, that's another story, mm -hmm. but um, I definitely want to help you all with that. So part of my recovery was meditation. It was huge, 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 because that's what activated my spiritual awakening. So what activated it, because somebody asked me that the other day, I was like, oh, that's a good question. What actually activated that Kundalini experience or whatever it is you want to call, you know, I, somebody told me, oh, you were kissed by God because the experience I had felt like an out of body orgasm that was not of this, not of this earth. It was not even about the female genitalia. It had nothing to do with the sexual intimacy that um, I felt when I had this awakening experience. Um, and I was, you know, I was raised Catholic, but I, I ended up becoming agnostic. And then I think I was atheist. Now I'm, I'm second guessing myself because I don't know how one could switch from atheism back to uh, one of belief and then back. And I don't know, but you know, we're humans. Humans tend to be fin finicky, creative souls, people, things, it anyways. Mm -hmm. But um, so meditation, I had at that point about seven years, eight years of um, uh, psycholo uh, psychology counseling. My, my doctor, my psychologist has since become not only just a doctor, she's, she's a, more than that, she's my mentor. You know, um, she texts, we text each other. She believes in me. I actually had my first um, colon cancer because of her. I was able, she hooked me up with the rotary one of the rotary, rotary clubs here in Jacksonville. And I, I, I was so fortunate that she believed in me to do that. And, um, and she's why I do what I do today too. She's part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. She's the mother I never really had. <laughs> and I'm, my mother is loving, you know? And I, I, I'm working on that still, you know? I love my mother and father. They did the best they can. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing this so that other people can remember, realize that there is such a thing called abuse. And it does not, just because you love them does not mean that it's okay for them to continue to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. The bigger us is to realize again, that hurt people hurt people. And if we're going to be changing things for the better in our, in our world, well, then we can't be angry at the people that angered us to begin with, because then we're, 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 we're just feeding into the cycle of insanity. And how, how do we, yeah, how do we better it? There's no sense, no sense at all. You know, my sister was hit by a drunk driver at the age of 20 and she spent her 21st birthday in a coma. Do we dwell on that man that hit her and ruined her life? She's permanently brain damaged and she's 51 years old today and she lives with my parents. Um, but her daughter is super intelligent. Um, she actually got married for a minute and had a baby and her baby is now in her twenties and is doing so well. You know, she graduated as an IB student in high school and is doing very well. So, um, but these are a lot of traumas that I had to deal with. It wasn't just one or two, it was a lot. And by the way, since we're talking to women, I, I my two children, one is 30 and one is 19, well, 29 and, and 18, I'm gonna just use the regular birthdays. Um, 
but you know, they are true blessings to me. I, I lost four along the way. Um, you know, I just listened to the lady that I'm wanting to speak to about our, our veteran benefits. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's definitely pro-choice and I love the fact that she's pro-choice, but I am not, I'm, I mean, not pro-choice, pro-life, I am pro-choice. I'm pro-choice because those other babies that I could have had, one was dying inside of me. It was either my life or the baby's life. And was it selfish of us to choose me? I don't know. Only God will know that. But I, I can't say that I'm, I am pro-life. I chose my life. My husband chose my life. Mm -hmm. Or I did. You know, mine are the fetus, the babies. Do I love babies? Yes. Am I pro-life? Yes. I never ex intended on, you know, losing babies that way. The other one, I had to do a DNC. Part of it was miscarried. I had, you know, three partial miscarriages. One, I, I had to abort. I had to literally pass my baby through. That, tell me that's not traumatizing. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, all this stuff. So, you see, I have a lot of traumas. And not to mention, you know, I was beaten, pummeled when I, my first boyfriend was abusive and later on in life I realized he was an alcoholic he was a, a, a he was doing drugs and he was an alcoholic I was not I never did that growing up I was not a pot smoking druggie <laughs> I just I wasn't I was a, the nerd that sat and read all day because I loved it and and school was my escape from not having to go back somewhere I did you know where it wasn't very it wasn't very healthy so I found my solace was in school and teachers and all of that. So anyways, when I came to the realization, you know, and, and by the way, one of the other trauma, traumatic stories is, and I'm going to tie this in and let this be the last traumatic story I bring up. Um, it was, I, I was, I was raped by an officer. My spouse was on deployment. I was living in Hawaii. I had no family there. You all know that have lived there. It's a small island. Mm -hmm. The only people you have are the people that you're left with there, your new friends, you know, your Anna and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and the other wives and spouses that are in your squadron, right? And that's it, unless you're flying back and forth to the mainland. Well, I went out with a couple of my girlfriends, you know, they were all um, officers' wives. And we all had babies. We were all like, yeah, let's go out. Let's have a good time. Let's forget about it. And we just went to the Oak Club, had a few drinks, you know, talking men and women. It was a co-ed thing. Before I knew it, you know, um, things led to another. We didn't want the party to end. I went and helped a gentleman go get, he's an officer. I trusted him. We were just going to go grab, and he, the barracks, the, the, the barracks was literally steps from the Oak Club, okay, across the yard and be at the, at the thing, so I didn't think anything of it. We're going to run in and walk back out because outside was where our whole group was. There's a handful of us there, Yeah. so, and that's what happened. The next thing I knew, I was blacked out, and I could hear one of my girlfriends screaming my names through the hallway, where are you, where are you? And I, I, I remembered I, I was in this room and that was it. So went to the, um, it, it took a minute, I was scared. That was at night, 
we went back to my place. It was one of those sleepless nights, you know. We're in Hawaii, it's gorgeous out. And um, we were all debating, what are we gonna do? And then realized we need to take her to the hospital. By then I had already been, I'd already showered. I was sick to my stomach about it, you know? And um, I'm like, why did I do that afterwards? But I understand now why victims do that. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. Yeah. So that's the last one. And what happened? Well, he got a slap on the wrist. That gentleman, I ended up having to go to New Orleans to fight it. Um, he was a uh, 05 in a reserve and he got a slap on the wrist and that was it. And he got demoted. That was it. And here's the thing. I could not stand how I was treated by the women, the one woman, when I went to Nolens to get uh, go in front of the their whatever you guys call it the tribunal mm-hmm. with all these big officers you know debating on whether or not to give this guy whatever it is his punishment is it was a joke the woman the woman that interviewed me before I was put up on the on the uh, court she asked me why I was crying why are you crying duh I was just freaking raped yeah and you know they tried him and they found that I wasn't raped. Okay, whatever, you know, (laughs) experience, you know, it's, it's ever experience. Yeah. Did I, was I drunk, drinking, drunk? Yeah. I was tipsy. We were drinking. We were at a bar. Right. But that, you know, I love that's like always the excuse like, oh, well you're drunk. Yes. You asked for it because you were drinking. Like, I'm yes. sorry. I'm not allowed to have a good time. Like, Thank you. and still be respected and have my body be my body. Like, I'm so sorry. Everybody else can do whatever they want to, but me as a woman, I can't just have a good time. Like, I'm not supposed to drink at all. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But it's it seems to be such an easy excuse for them to to throw and be like, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's part of the system. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's not the people, it's the system. And that's part of the solutions I want to talk about later on when we talk about the businesses that I I have, Mm -hmm. because this is so important, you know, Um, that, that gentleman that, um, you know, the gentleman that um, he, he wasn't charged with rape, so I shouldn't say it's rape, but you know, um, well, you I'm going to call it from my experience. You should say, if that's mm-hmm. what happens, if that's what happens, then you should say it, whether he yeah. was charged with it or not. Because if you don't say it, that's like not owning it as far as right. like not, you know, like putting that responsibility on him. The accountability. He, yeah. He, just because he got away with it in the military doesn't mean that it changes the truth. Exactly. That's exactly it. You know, and it doesn't ha- just happen to us women. It happens to men too. Oh, yeah. That's so sad. That's even worse for me, I would think, you know, for me, I would think I, I have anyways, I, I have friends who are, you know, um, uh, homosexual. So, you know, I get it. I hear their side of the story too. Um, but anyways, you know, victims are victims, but I'm no longer that. I I choose to no longer be that. And, you know, we all have that opportunity. And the woe is me does not work. 
because of all the stuff that I've been through and many people have been through worse. The only difference between me and them is I'm able to share my story because I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a plot about A, because it's embarrassing, B, because our society makes a majority of us feel like it was on us. We don't ask to get raped. Mm -hmm. No matter what we dress like, how we speak, what we do, nobody deserves to be treated less than. Mm -hmm. Nobody. And that includes children, you know, as me, me, I was molested as a young kid. I was, I, how do I remember this? Because first day of kindergarten and it wasn't a family member, you know, it was um, uh, a landlord's spouse. And um, we were walking up the stairs to their house, you know, they lived it in a second level home, but there were stairs. So it was the wife, the landlord, their child, probably close to my age, maybe four, and then the spouse, the man. So his name is Jorge. So we lived in Spain at the time. But he, as I was walking up the stairs, you know, he put his hand up my dress mm. and was like, you know, pushing me up that way and holding me. I'm five. I didn't know that. I didn't know what that was, but I just knew that was not right. right. So you know, um, when the when his wife turned around to look, you know, he acted like I was fine. I was pretending that he was keeping me on the stairs. So that was my first um, experience with what uh, sexual molestation is. And then to make matters worse, my mother did not believe me, um, you know? And so that I swore I would never tell my mother anything again. And I never really did. Mm -hmm. um, even when, you know, even when I was abused by that 16 year old, my first boyfriend, I ended up, my mother didn't believe me with that either and, until it was too late when she actually saw the guy, my then boyfriend, uh, knock on the front door and kick me on in my ribs. And my mother was standing right there and she still didn't do anything about it. She just looked there in disbelief and that was that. So what I did at 16, now think about this. Think about your child being 16, okay? I didn't know where to turn. So I went to the assisted uh, assistant United States Attorney's Office and said, help, help me, please. I'm scared this man's gonna kill me because he told me, you know, if I can't have you, nobody else will. And he, he, he stabbed my, another guy I was trying to date and yeah, he was serious. So file the injunction, all that. How does that tie in with the military? Well, my father was in the military. He was away at sea a lot. Mm -hmm. It was one parent there most of the time, and that was my mother. I was, the, I was the oldest, and in our culture, the oldest does everything. You know, you're the second mother, second you. The onus is on you. Whatever my, my, my children, oh my gosh, Freudian slip there. Whenever my siblings used to do anything wrong, I was the one that was beaten and punished. Not them. Why? Because I was the one that was supposed to be setting a good example. So that's a lot on a 10 year old. Yeah. I, I came home straight from school. I didn't go out and play a lot. I, I did from time to time, but I had to come straight home from school to take care of my, my siblings. We never went without food. We never went without clothing. I loved the, the food was how they showed their love, you know? 
The, the bad part is, is the mental abuse that happened without anybody even realizing it. And let's, let's think about this because we all, you know, in the military, we travel. The, the children alone are already traumatized when they go from one place to another, but that is part of our life, right? Mm -hmm. And you either are resilient, you have resilient children, which is where our parenting comes in to completely empower our children to do the best they can with or without us next to them, but them feeling safe, knowing that they can always come to us as their parents and say, we need help. You know, the hardest part to being an adult is asking for help. So anyways, and that was me, you know, I didn't know that I needed help because we're so used in the military, you do your shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You do it and you don't ask questions, just do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is that ego? Well, later on, you do learn. No, not in the military life. That's called survival. Mm -hmm. You either do it or you die, period. And the civilian life, they don't get that until it's too late. <laughs> and this is part of the stuff that I'm trying to teach our community. And we have many beautiful organizations doing that, not just me but many other communities that are helping transition the military veterans. Why, again, why do I feel so passionate? Because it's been my life. I may not have put that uniform on, but I was there every step of the way from the day I was born. I was born into it. I had no say. And it's been my life and I love it. I don't know any other life besides it, but I do because at 53, going on 54 now, I've been able to, you know, the corporate world was my my life eventually you know and so to be able to see the military and the corporate and the way the communication is so different has um really has really fueled my passion to make things a little bit better for not just the military veterans but for our community at large because when when people start understanding us uh, the military we and we understand them we come together and we find a way to speak and find ways to say yes instead of no Mm -hmm. We find less um, strife, we find less alcoholics, less people with mental health issues, mental health issues, a lot of it is, and, and chronic pains, those all come from, you know, the well-being of your brain. It does, you know, and the well-being of your teeth, you know. Why do I say that? Everything is interconnected everything, all the systems that are in our country, you know, but they all come down to healthcare, if you think about it. Yeah. Healthcare, healthcare. Mm. So a lot of it is mental health now for me. Um, so what I'd like to do is one of the changes I'd like to see in our city, because I used to see my dad, well, my spouse, actually, my former spouse, um, would have to go to Gainesville to get some services taken care of. I'm like, wait a minute. We're in Jacksonville. This is one of the biggest cities in our country with, you know, the dense, one of the densest populations of military veterans and you're having to go over there. Yeah, no, this is unsatisfactory. Not just you, but what about our older, um, what about our older veterans that can't walk anymore? What we're going to have, you know, a few of the people in Gainesville coming here, but have all, all of us going over there. Where's the economical sense in that first and foremost? I mean, these are things that I'd like for everyone to start, you know, talking about. Um, I actually talked to this gentleman, by the way, who is a candidate for 
um, the US Senate. His name is Luis Miguel. He is a, an advocate for military, our military veterans and military in particular. I had a, a conversation with him, a lunch meeting with him, and he's very, very passionate about making some changes for our military veterans. So I'm trying to align with him to see what else we can do to make it a little bit better for all of us. The other thing are for the spouses to get the continued benefits after marriage. The children already get that of what is it up until they're 21 or 25 these days, right? But if they're college educated, I say those benefits need to go even further. What about the people that want to go off and become an MD or a PhD or you know whatever it is, a eight, 12, 16 year college degree? They still need these a little bit of these health benefits if they're going to school full time or more than half time. So these are things that we can hash out. But what I'm saying is, is you don't leave your dependent high and dry after they've served with you. You know, our veterans couldn't have done their jobs without the people that they were counting on to take care of their children, their household, their parents, or whatever it is your situation is in. You know, think about this. You may not be here tomorrow to face these problems, but your children will be. Yeah. And so will their children, you know? And how dare we be so bold as to think that this world will be here for another thousand years. Our earth is already a billion years old, a billion, over a billion. This earth is not gonna be here much longer. Right. You know, we all have expiration dates and so do planets. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's make this earth as beautiful as we can. You know, the utopia that you think about is a utopia we all think about. One without any strife and greed and anger. One where we can actually be honest with each other and not have to worry about whether or not that person is, is trying to manipulate us out of doing something we don't want to do. If we can be honest and say, hey, I'm scared. Hey. I don't know what to do. Help me. Ayúdame. Our world would be in a much better place. And I, I really believe that. But you know what? Yes, we see brokenness, but there's hope. How do we start that? By doing the next right thing here, by not being quiet anymore. Look where our country is now. And you know what? We're still having to take care of one another. Why should we be angry with one another? You know, all we need is somebody to say, you're all right, you're doing the best you can, you're good. I believe in you, mm -hmm. you know? I think, you know, as, as you're talking, something that pops into my head is like, you know, what we're taught in the military is just to suck it up. And of course, it's almost like a really fine line, right? Because of course, we don't want to take away from being warriors like our number one job no matter what everybody's job is in the military is to fight right and so we want to be combat ready but there's such a huge gap of what is happening and i i know some leadership is really good at this and then a lot isn't like a lot that i saw is not um of not really guiding you know, like how we are as parents, where we teach our children, well, we're going to do this because of this, right? Um, and we guide them along and we show them why, like not just, yes. not just, you're going to be a good person, period. And then when they ask why, you know, well, shut up, 
your job is not to ask why, right? And we have that brokenness in the military, like, well, don't ask why, we're doing this, this is how it's done, this is how it's always been done. And so you have that where the service members are being taught that, and, uh, you know, most of them from 18, right? A lot yeah. from broken homes, bad, yeah. bad childhoods. So this is kind of like they're being retaught or being taught how to be an adult, but they're being taught by saying, well, I'm your boss. And this is, and I mean, I did the same thing because that's what I was taught, right? Exactly. So you said, well, you don't ask me why. And you, but you, there's no guidance. It's just, <laughs> do this, do this, do this, do this and shut up. Right. And so then of course they're coming home and bringing that home, right. To their families, yeah. to their children, to their spouses. And so there's never that guidance, kind of what you're talking about. And it's like, then we, we wonder why we get out and we can't hold regular jobs. Exactly. <laughs> because or, you can't go and talk to people like that in the real world. You can't exactly. Go, Shut up, you just do it because I said. Like that's not how Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you make a great point though, and that's what it is. It's all about being mindful in our communications, you know. We 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 laugh about that that nursery rhyme, you know, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that is such a lie. It is such a lie. Yeah. Words do hurt. Words remain. And words are experience. Words are thoughts. And words are things. Well, it's you like know? that. Um, I don't know if it's a parable or a story. I mean, I've read it probably on Facebook. Um, but, you know, the boy who, I can't even remember what he did, but his dad made him go hammer in all these nails in the fence, in this wooden fence. Yeah right? Do you know the story? No. So he hammers in all of these, you know, say it's a hundred nails, right? Hammers all of these nails into this wooden fence. And then he goes and tells his dad he's done. And he's like, okay, now pull them out. So he's like, what? So then he <laughs> go and get all the nails out. Right. And so he's basically, he said, now, you know, tell the fence that you're sorry for hurting the fence. So he has to apologize to the fence. And he's like, just because you apologize doesn't take the scars away. That's right. Right. So words, and that's, I mean, that's why we say things like don't say things in anger, like in your marriage and that sort of thing, because that sticks with you. And, you know, whether you truly mean it or not, if you say something, the other person is always going to just believe that you meant it. That's right. That's right. And yeah. And when you come from a household or a work environment of nothing but, you know, toxicity, because it, it doesn't, I mean, just because I, my experience was at home doesn't mean that this can't be related to at work or even at church, you know, or wherever it is that you do your spiritual practices or wherever it might be. There's always this it's when you feel it's it's when you feel like you're like you're almost going crazy it's like your reality is being twisted by by something or someone you know it's like let's see for instance i don't know hitler 
all right, the propaganda there. What did they do? They just kept on drilling in the people's heads, you know, hate Jews, hate Jews, Jews are bad, this and that, this and that. You keep saying that. Those are like affirmations. We call in America, these could be positive affirmations. You know, we use them to lift us up. Well, who's to say that that wasn't lifting them up without them even realizing it? Aren't we doing the same thing right now with- That's it. Hello, that's exactly it. That's why I brought that up. There's so much division and hate, regardless of how you feel. Uh, I mean, it baffles me that people, like I have lost friends and I don't, I really say anything one way or the other, but people are so passionate about the things that they have been fed and they're angry, but not researching things for themselves. It's dangerous. I have seen like this to me, this whole thing that we have gone through this past year has been mind blowing. And I'm like, that's exactly how Hitler did it. Yeah, exactly how he did it. They have quickly, but they quickly they oh, yeah. figured out that division, right? I mean, that happened fast and it's just grown over this past year where people are like at each other's throats. Yeah. Um, and look what's happening in our country. It's happening all over again. And this is how that started mm-hmm. that easily. You get sucked into it without even realizing. Mm-hmm. For instance, you know, um, Black Lives Matters. You know, I, I fully supported it at one point because I thought that it was one thing until I realized what was going on. You know, people are going to say, oh yeah, but that you're falling into the trap. No, but that's the thing. You have fallen into the trap. I know it because I've seen it and I've lived it. I've lived being manipulated for so long that I can see it in a heartbeat. You know, um, the, I was trying to explain to a friend of mine, eventually you know, we look at people in the psychological world. We look at people when we, when we respond or react to something. They say that we are actually projecting what's inside of us. Well, eventually what happens is, is you become, you see things for what they already are, that that mirror has dropped and it becomes a window, a clear window of truth. Nobody's able to project anymore off you. Because now you're showing them, you, you know, exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. Because, because you see right through the BS. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's manipulation. That's sociopathy. It's sick. It's a sick, sick mind F game. Yeah. You know, I, I used to find words to um, cover up the, the nastiness. When I had kids, I would say fudge sickles. You know, instead of the F word, I'd be like, oh, fudge sickles. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna stick with because it's still, you know, delicious. <laughs> I love fudgesicles, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, fudgesicles, man. You know, the other, the other thing. So uh, I wanted to get back to the, um, what was it? The VA stuff, the veterans stuff. So I, I met a woman, and in fact, it was where you and I met at the health fair. Yeah. The military health fair was it? It was military, right? Not just military veterans, but military. Um. Yeah. I. I. Well, it was like a both. very holistic health. Yeah. Or something like that. Which I. Was yeah. Like, okay. This is my jam. Okay. Oh yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So um, one of the female veterans I met there, I don't know how old she was, but anyway, she's probably in her 60s. I don't know. No, not 50s, maybe 60s. So she had shared her story with me. Actually, it was her daughter that had shared it with me and her. And she was doing the Beamer um, thing. Did you do that Beamer thing, that Beamer no, tape? I, I, I got there too late. I was like, wait. Oh. And they're like, she's not doing anymore. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, the veteran was there. Her daughter was standing up against the door. And I spoke to her because she had talked about something else, which is gifts, you know, um, psychic gifts or whatever you want to call it. What do you call that? God's gifts? What do you call it? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what, do people, what do people call it these days? I don't know. Anyway, psychic abilities. Yeah. So I went up to her because I have some of those and we were talking about it. It was cool. She can actually um, hear different frequencies. So she, was, she also served in the military and her, her specialty was in um, uh, um, communications and audio. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. You got into the uh, part of the military where you could use your real gifts. She could actually see and hear frequencies, which is what I can do. Like I can literally see and hear frequencies. So like where you see like um, get, 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 uh, gamma, gamma wavelengths and, you know, all of that. So I can see that. And she, I was talking to her and she's like, yeah, I can see that too. So we were talking about that. And I can actually see patterns when sounds come. It's beautiful. You, if you Google it on YouTube, sound patterns, you can actually see the beautiful patterns that sound and vibration makes, mm. you know, on reality. So anyways, that's that. And in the wellness field, I didn't realize it's pretty common to talk about gifts, which was a whole new thing for me. I'd never been able to realize that the things I had were actually gifts. I thought everybody else could see what I saw, you know? Um, how did we segue into this? Oh, her. So yeah, that was one of, we'll have to talk about that too in another podcast on gifts like that. But um, so she was telling me her mother, the woman that was on the Beamer table had lost two toes. She had called the, the, the VA and asked to schedule an appointment to check her one of her toes. She ended up losing it because they made her wait two months Till she got an appointment what happened she got freaking gangrene and lost her toes that that's terrible. disgusting it's terrible yeah so now what what's the government do well, meanwhile this woman has no more toes there that's sick yeah and what do they do who are they accountable to nobody mm-hmm. and did you know on the project that i did where i was videotaping you know getting stories from veterans and their experiences with the VA and the healthcare system at large. Um, did you know that, um, what was I gonna say now? That the less money that our VA system puts out in programs for the veterans, the more money they have to pocket. They get incentives to not spend money on the programs that are supposed to be put in for special veteran programs. How do I know that? Because I talked to another veteran that had firsthand dibs on this. His name is, um, you know, Steve McMichael. He served, um, he was the right-hand man to General Schwarzkopf. I told you about him. And one of the first few um, Gulf War syndrome patients in our country. 
Did you know he still was still fighting that up to today? 20 years later, <laughs> whatever, you know, they're just now, they, the government, the VA, the, hospital, the healthcare system are just now confirming that the symptoms that these guys and women, their women, yeah, suffered from the Gulf War syndrome is real. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, this is unacceptable. Yeah. You guys, we do not have, should not have to wait. That's the other thing. Y'all, we do not have to wait, should not have to wait. You signed your lives in the very beginning. You, you should give, get the benefits. That's the other thing I told the US Senate candidate. It's good enough for Congress, the congressmen and women to get lifetime healthcare benefits, but you're gonna poo-poo on our veterans? Yeah. Did you serve on the, on the war? Yeah, no. Then you don't get what they don't get. You know? Mm -hmm. No, veterans first. You give your life away, you better damn well make sure that you're gonna get the compensation that was promised to you. That's the least our country can do. And I'll be damned to sit around and watch people get poo-pooed over after they decided to serve, to give their life. I mean, we're talking about life. Yeah. And, and then chronic, we have chronic health issues. Right? That the VA or the military government, they don't want to even recognize. Yeah, because they don't want to pay out. And I'll be damned if they do that continuously while I, I live like in the city. I love our city too much. And you know, we're the gateway to all things Navy. If somebody comes here to visit Jacksonville, Florida, and they hear, ooh, they've got a great, you know, Navy program, this and that. Well, we ain't no Hawaii. We don't have anything as big as and great as Hawaii does to actually show our appreciation for our military veterans, their spouses and their children. Because it's not just about the veterans that served. You know, you, you bore children or whatever. Mm -hmm. You adopted children. You adopted a significant other. These are people that without them, there is no you. Yeah. Again, without you, there's no us. And so does our country, should they be able to, uh, they can afford to take care of the rest of our, our veterans, including their spouses and their children. I don't, I don't care in this lifetime whether or not I continue to get them. It's not even about me. That's the difference between me and somebody else that's trying to fight for these rights. I'm doing it not just for me, but for, for the next few generations that come so that the parents don't get traumatized watching their child sign up to, say, to save the world mm -hmm. and worrying about the children as to whether or not they'll be covered if they lose a leg You know? Yeah. Here's what I'd like to proffer the Congress, the congressmen and women before they decide to, um, you know, say no to 100% healthcare benefits free for all service men, women, and children. You serve one day, you sign your life on the dotted line. You do it. Let me see you live this lifestyle for a year. Bring your spouse and your children. You do this with the same kind of benefits that you provide our people. And I'm gonna do that to the city council people. You, you wanna represent your, your district? Then you live there for three days. Live there for a day. And then tell me, what would you change and how will you change it to better our city? Because 
we're only as good as our worst link in the city. So anyways, and part of that is we need to take care of our veterans. There's 88, over 88,000. That can populate an entire city of its own. Yeah. And so what are we doing to support we as entrepreneurs, we as business people? What are we doing to uplift our military personnel? I'm going to say personnel being all the, the entire family. Mm-hmm. You know, your children are military, Leah, Leah right? You know, they're not, they don't have the uniform on, but they are. You are still, you always will be. Once you serve, you will always be a veteran. You know, I have friends that served two, three, four, well, four years. They're like, I don't know, am I a veteran? Yes. If you served in the military and you were honorably discharged, yeah, veteran. Even when you're dishonorably discharged, but you're not looked at as, you're not given that, you know, that's something there that's totally different. When you're dishonorably discharged, that's different. Then you have to come upon a committee to decide because every case is different. That's the thing about AI, you know, AI and a human board. You can get all the data you want and give it to the artificial intelligence. They're not gonna be able to discern who's, who's right and who's wrong, only based on data, you know? Look at my situation, what happened to me. I went to jail because I hit my spouse. Does that look bad? Yeah, did I, did I, did I and all for all intents and purposes break the law? I did. But was it right for me to have served? Was it? Was justice really served at that point? No. A, you just spent your taxpayers' monies on someone who was abused. B, he did a disservice to the person who was not taken care of, and that was the abuser. That abuser needs to be rehabilitated, not me. Well, I need that. I need therapy. And it's not just me, then my child, because my child saw that. So you see, we try to separate the person that needs to be taken care of when, in fact, we can't. It really does matter when we say it takes a village to raise a child. The addict, the alcoholic, the mentally ill, they're no different than the child that we're raising. What happens when your child is hungry, when our children are hungry? We just give it food, give them food. What happens when they're tired? We, we put them to bed. It's the very same thing we need to provide for our veterans, for the homeless, for the people that are incarcerated, for the people that are domestically abused. We provide what they need first and foremost, because when they're not comforted with their all their needs, their human needs being met first and foremost, nothing else will happen, nothing. So anyways, the other thing I would proffer for the military transition points, again, you know, that debrief after each serious cycle of training. So when you guys go off on, you know, short, um, short deployments or what's short anymore? Do, do y'all do short deployments anymore? <laughs> what is it, a year now? I don't know. Yeah, it's always been at least a year to a year and a half for the army, so. Yeah, that's freaking crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, when you're used to it, you're used to it, but wow, you get out of it and it's like, it's wow. And then I know families, um, well, I mean, in fact, I have a neighbor, actually, her husband is, is Navy. We don't live in a military neighborhood, but I just, 
across the street happens to be a Navy family. And he has been, we've lived here for a year and he had to do like train up after train up after train up after train up after train up. So he was gone. And then he finally went on a deployment, but I mean, he's like barely been here the whole time we've been here. Wow. Wow. You know, and I mean, they have five kids. So yeah. Every time, every time he comes home for a train up and every time he leaves for a train up and then deployment, I mean, it's, it's so traumatic on those children yeah. and, and she has to pull it all together. And then for her too, you know, I mean, she doesn't live in a military town. So it's like, um, even worse by herself, you know? So, yeah, I mean, we and so help all the time, but I mean, it's, it's not, you know, like there's no support system for her. Like, I don't know if she's, if anybody's really reaching out to her from his unit or anything like that. Yeah. And see, that's, that's the issue too. You know, every unit, every squadron, whatever you want to call it, you know, we all have our ways of doing it. Each one of us in different branches of the service, whatever. But when I was in the military, when my spouse was serving in the military, we had what's called an ombudsman, you know, that took care of all of that. She typically was, um, uh, it was a position that was uh, put up by the officer's wives club. Did you guys have any of that? Like a, you guys had like a, a wives club or a spouse's club, right? Yeah, we, it's called uh, FRG in the army, family readiness group. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. FRG. Yeah. So, I, you know, I kicked out of one of those. You were kicked out. What, <laughs> what did you do? What happened? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. So I was, <laughs> I was still in and, you know, I had just had a baby and, um, my husband was deployed. And so I, would go and and listen and see the thing was is you wanted to be my friend because I did all of the travel arrangements for them to come home for R and R and I did all the travel arrangements and set everything up for them to come home um, from their deployment. Yeah, so everyone and, that knew you were were in the know. <laughs> right, but the wives didn't know that, so. Um, they didn't know what was going on ever, but I would go to the meetings and then I would just offer things up. I mean, I can't even, I can't really think of, but just kind of like random, like, Hey, you know, maybe we could do this for the unit or this for the families. And, um, the commander's wife started screaming at me in the meetings and was like, why do you always come here and attack me? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I was just coming from like a soldier's perspective. <laughs> Sounds like an ego problem to soldier's me. <laughs> life. But I mean, my husband had called because we had a change of command while he was deployed and he had called and cussed out our commander actually um, because oh, of the yeah. way that they were treating me. Because they would keep me like I was, I would be kept, I was put in the admin room, you know, so we were all counterintelligence. So we didn't have like an admin. Yeah. Um, like job for our unit. Like everybody just kind of had to rotate around. So they put me in the admin room and my baby was in childcare. I would have to go pick her up at six, 1800, bring her back. And I was the only one at work. 
um, because the commander, like, he's like, well, I need you to fix this slide. And he would send me one. And then he'd say, well, I need you to fix this slide and send me that. <laughs> like, can you just send me all the slides at once? Exactly. Um, but it was just like stupid stuff. And then he started threatening to get me kicked out of the army because I didn't have a, a family care plan. And I'm like, it's 8 p.m. It's 20 hundred. Like, and I'm the only one here. I'm like, this would be an easy fix. Like, put somebody else in the admin room. Uh, like, my husband is deployed. And so, you know, I'd asked to be taken out and they wouldn't take me out and put somebody else in that position because anybody could have done it, you know? Right. And he would just constantly threaten me, threaten me and, and to kick me out and all stuff. And some, you know, I was like, I, I had a nervous breakdown actually because I was like being harassed, sexually harassed by my, you know, platoon sergeant, my first line supervisor. I mean, it was just really intense. And I had a nervous breakdown and there was nobody there. Like I wasn't part of FRG and the soldiers didn't like me, you know? So it was like, I was completely alone. And, and I told my husband about it one time when he talked to me. So he called the commander and he was an E5, you know? So he's like this little peon to the, you know, to the unit. And, you know, he's like, Hey, sir, this is Sergeant day. And he's like, hey sergeant day like how's your deployment and he like went off on him like cussed him out it's like I, why are you treating my wife this way blah blah blah, blah. um but it just made things worse for me and I was like why yeah. did you do that yeah because uh, so, he loves you right but it got worse and then his you know from there the commander's wife was like she would scream at me and I mean ego it, that's just ego it was crazy. And I was like, uh, okay, like, I just thought maybe we could have some cookies, you know, or something. It was like, you know, that's the thing. Some of those women, I'm not saying all of them, because I had some wonderful experiences with the CEO's wife or XO's wife or whatever. But some of them, man, their egos, they wore their, their husband's rank on their sleeve. Yeah. It's like, really? Are you, are you kidding? Yeah. It, you try to do something good and then, you know, they get upset. Well, their response says it all. <laughs> it was, it was. It I was, get it. Yeah. I was treated like that too. It was like, I was trying to um, coordinate like an event or something for all of us women. I think it was like a brunch or something. Mm -hmm. And she took over. I'm like, wait, what, what just happened? I thought I was doing this. Oh, I'll take over from here. Like, <laughs> What the heck? Uh, well, I'm going to do the invitations because I do calligraphy. It's just my natural handwriting, but people used to pay me for that. that. Yes, it's beautiful. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, no. Uh, her husband was like, well, you better check with her to make sure that you can do I'm thinking to myself, why do I need to check with her? This is a women wives club thing. Right. I, I started it up. <laughs> That's what I realized, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a love-hate relationship, that, that, that hierarchy, you know? You need it to survive in war, but you damn sure don't need that when you're off, off, off combat um, zone. What, what's keeping you alive in combat zone is what's killing you in real life. You know, that's why so many of us are divorced and re-divorced all over again. Yeah. Well, take a look at the <laughs> way our, 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 our people are being handled. Yeah. Cheated.
you know? Yeah, do they put us up in housing, this and that? Yeah, but you know, that's, that's not enough. Sorry, it's not. You know, I was never very impressed with the housing that <laughs> they put me up in. I'm like, thanks for the walls and the right? roof. Just take your BAH and run. <laughs> right. Just go look for something else and suck it up. Well, Grace, let um, I want to talk about your your business a little bit. I have to. My son has football soon, so oh, good. Okay. My mommy duties pretty soon. Okay. I don't want to leave unless you want to leave that for another episode, but, um, and, and come back to do some more recording, but I want to talk about your business so that we can promote you and how people sure. can connect with you. I know that you, you shared living with grace.net mm-hmm. and you have said that you're already on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter now. Yeah. Are you on TikTok yet? Huh? Grace, are you on TikTok? No, my uh, kids are like, yeah, no. Like you need to be. You need to be on TikTok. That's no. where you need to go. You would no. love it. You would love it. You would love it. Yes. I don't know. There's something else. Well, have you heard of Telegram? Yeah, I'm on Telegram. But it's that's what? not a messaging thing. Yeah. Oh. I talk yeah. to my team members and stuff. I don't know any of this stuff. I just when you I'm getting need to be on TikTok. Listen, I have connected, I've connected with some women. There is a sharp representative I've connected with, and she's she's going through some training right now, but she said she's cool. on the show. Met her on TikTok. Hey, that's that's cool. That is cool. I do a lot of um I meet a lot of people through LinkedIn and Facebook, believe okay. it or not. All right. Um, but so speaking of Facebook, so I just started up um Monday morning meditations from 7 a.m. to 7.15 Eastern Standard Time. It's a Zoom link, and I can actually give you that. So I'll, I'll give it to you after this, but um, okay. I, I can give that to you. And so I'm on it for 15 minutes. Um, you know, as it, as it progresses, I'm, I'm open to changing up the format. But for now, it's just trying to get people accustomed and introdu- introduced to what um, meditation is all about. So if anybody so wants to do that, we can share the Zoom link with them. They yes. can comment. They can just comment on the video and yeah. and wish we could share that with them. Yeah, actually, here, let me give you the, let me see if I can get it to you now and see. While you're looking, Maybe. check this yeah. out. Check this out. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, I have my volume down. Oh, wait a minute. You go ahead. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Why? What happened? Technology's not my friend. Oh, today it's not, is it? (laughs) All right, so here's the meeting ID number. So it's Zoom, and the ID number is 878. Put it in the chat. Actually, hold on, I just lost it now. Shocks, where is it? Oh, here it is. Okay, let me just copy it here. Oops, so it's 878. One five one four nine zero nine. I'm sorry, nine zero three nine eight seven eight one five one four nine zero three nine. And the passcode is mindful, all lower caps. That's Mondays at nine a.m. Eastern. Seven a.m. Oh, Eastern. seven. Seven a.m. Yeah. Eastern. 
Ooh, you yeah. went early, girl. You went early. All right. I'll probably do something later on to catch the uh, to catch the people like like before. Hello. This is a TikTok. Oh. <laughs> experience and vicarious trauma is the stress and trauma that the elderly experience what's the See? difference so she goes through i like that she goes through she's on tiktok that's not so that's, all about dancing and all that stuff anymore so that's tiktok yeah yes. so mindful meditation helps in in more ways than one you can use it for you know anxiety for stress to actually help heal PTSD and other traumas. Um, any, most anything and everything you can utilize um, meditation for. The most important thing is, is to be able to bring you right back to the now. So you don't have to worry about the next breath that you take because really all we have is now. Mm -hmm. So meditation is actually training for the brain. The brain is a muscle. You know, it's not unlike all the other muscles out there. So if you don't use it, you do lose it. It's like a car, yeah. you know? If you don't drive that car around from time to time and get it lubricated, because that's what cars like is the lubrication. Mm -hmm. If you let it sit there, everything dries out and rots. But if you use it from time to time, it's just like human beings. You're in the health and wellness field. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't move your body. You don't get the lubrication. And guess what happens? Your body starts slowing down. It starts getting brittle. It starts hurting. Chronic pain starts with that, the not moving. Mm -hmm. So meditation helps you get there mindfully. Um, so I really believe in that. And, you know, again, it catapulted me into my spiritual awakening. Some of you might be deep into your spirituality or on this spiritual path. Meditation is one of those modalities that can get you there. It worked for me and it healed me tremendously. I went from 24 medications to I'm down to two. Amazing. Healthy eating, meditation. I did Tai Chi, which is another form of meditation. We could do a whole another segment on that. I'd love to be able to do that with you. Okay. And um, yesterday was National Health Day, by the way. That would have been a great thing. But anyways, um, so that's one of my businesses. Living with Grace is an umbrella company that I have. I'm, I have many different a variety of talents. So mindful meditation is one. I facilitate that. Again, I do consultations, the training, the coaching on mindfulness, recovery, and wellness. So say if somebody, I have, I have somebody that wants me to actually, you know, be there at the doctor's appointment. And I'm basically like your friend that can help you ask questions that you may not have even thought about. Mm. And I can help if you have like a a modality that you're working on now, you can say, hey, I'd like to do better. Can you help me with this? I can take a look at it, you out. And again, work with what you have. So maybe you want to get off meds. I can help you with that with the help of your doctor. I don't do anything um, unless your doctor approves it. You know, I'm here as an addendum for you, mm -hmm. for the client. So think of me as uh, 911. Hey, instead of calling your doctor and being charged an arm and leg, you call me and say, hey, I got this, what can I do? I'll give you that, that's what the coaching is. And my ultimate goal as a coach and as an advocate is to make sure that you don't ever have to come back to me again. Mm. You, may not, you may not need me because that's my goal is to make sure you don't need me because I'll provide the tools that you need. Hopefully for the rest of your life, you'll know what to do. 
but you come to me because you want to, because you want to up your game there, you know, because I have more tips that I can maybe provide to you or we can work together. It's not me knowing more. It kind of is, but it isn't. But it's about us working together mm-hmm. because even doctors, you know, I would run from any doctor that does not believe that it is not a team effort. It is, yeah. you know. But also it it's a different perspective. You know, it's kind of like when you are um, telling your kids something and then they hear it from somebody else and they're like, hey, guess what I learned today? And you're like, I told you that 15 times. Exactly. So you can see that different perspective. And then also I love that, you know, you have been through, I mean, I don't, I don't love that you've been through. through no, no, no. Yeah. But I, I love that you're using your traumas. I mean, in these incredible traumas that are just, it's like one after another, after another, your entire life, but mm-hmm. you are not broken. You know, you, and I'm, I'm sure that you would agree. Like, I feel like we're, we are always a work in progress. Like we're never always. quite there, um, right. but you're steps ahead of the people that you're helping, you know, sometimes a lot of steps ahead, maybe sometimes you're a few steps ahead, but you can be there as a guiding light and you've been through it. So I think that's really important when helping people. It's, it's hard to hire somebody or work with somebody when they haven't been through anything. Cause you're like, well, what? Right. No, you know, <laughs> you know, like you don't know what I'm going through. Right. So, you know, you have been through the gamut of things and can help a plethora of people from all kinds of different backgrounds or, or whatever they're experiences and and traumas are so I just I love that that you can offer yeah thank you so much and that's um another one of my um businesses actually is um recovery peer specialists rps agency so it's a peer-to-peer it's a peer placement agency it's the first of its kind in the world I know that because I made it up (laughs) I am the I am the creator of this this whole thing and Certified recovery peer specialist is a thing in our country, in our state. It's brand new. It's a, it's only been in our country, in our in our in our state system for about five years. So again, I'm the first one holding this. And what it is is using people with lived experience in substance use, you know, opioid addiction, mental health, you know, and also 500 hours of evidence-based training. Now that's getting the certification through the state. It's called CRPS. It's what I am. Um, I am provisional, meaning I've done, I've taken the test and I've passed. I've already completed all of the training. The only thing is, is I haven't completed all of the necessary hours that are required to get my certification. And at this point, because it's so new, I may not get that because it's so difficult trying to get a business started and trying to get those hours in. You have to get 500 hours in within the year that you get certification. And that's a lot of hours. You know, that's just as much as what a PhD gets in getting some of his or her training. So if you look at it like that, these people actually are first responders. They are the, the transition point between the time that somebody is getting clinical services, say from a guidance counselor or a counselor, into real life. So, you know, we are not clinical, uh, we are not clinically motivated to help out, but we are in that life of transition where we're getting them out of the clinical part and helping them move back into real life so that they can actually become productive citizens of our community. 
Mm -hmm. um, so where do we use CRPSs? We use them in the courthouse, you know, when they're in trouble. We use them and we can use them in um, emergency, uh, the emergency care units, the emergency um, units for the hospitals where a lot of drunk drivers go and, you know, uh, we can, what I could do is assign a peer to that person because the doctor's too busy. The doctor's mm -hmm. going to be like, hey, I've already treated this person, but we got to get this person out. What can we do? Well, we can make sure that that person is in alignment with what the doctor has treated them for and use somebody that's already had that experience to say, hey, I've been through this. Let me help you out. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, is they have less of a chance to relapse with whatever drug or alcohol it is of their choice between the time they get out of the hospital and the time they get into their first, say, support group meeting, whether it be a 12 step program or not is irrelevant, but their next journey, their next step in their journey to recovery, you know? So I love recovery. Recovery means a lot to many people, but according to the um, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Association, the SAMHSA, their, their definition of recovery is this. It's a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness. Isn't that nice? Yes, I love that. Love that too, because we can use that with women that are going through you know, domestic violence today. And that's the thing, my other business, it's a nonprofit. I would like that to, it's brand new. So we're still working on the bylaws. I mean, it's really green right now, but I'm really excited about it. Part of it is to help the military veterans the way that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the advocacy now. I'm trying to work with the politicians, the legislators to try to make these things work. The other thing that I wanna do with the nonprofit is to use that as a springboard, as a leadership program, taking the veterans that have had these experiences and saying, hey, I'm here to help. I would like to be a recovery peer specialist. I would like to help that next person going through these illnesses or these issues because I've been through it. Mm -hmm. It's mentorship um, to the nth degree because not only will we have the mentors there, but we will have the resources available there. We, I want this to be a hub of all things recovery and also all things where our veterans can come and say, oh, I need this service, not for me, but for my wife or my, my husband or my child or my niece or my nephew or whatever, my dependents, because it's all things related to recovery and it's all things related to our community. We have so many beautiful nonprofit organizations, but nobody knows about them because there's no, there's no real directory. So I would like my organization to be that hub. And eventually I would like our hub, our city, this organization and all of the organizations related to military veterans. I want our city to be the hub and the model of our country because that's, our city is amazing. We are the third biggest city in our country to have this many veterans so now I'm starting to sound like a rec record because I'm so excited about this but so that's the nonprofit, the nonprofit, and then the RPS agency is my third uh, business so yeah it's crazy I've got three businesses but with your help we'll get the nonprofit going you know um, the other part of that is I'd like to see it um, be utilized as a an art and music studio for our local 
kids and up and coming artists, you know, um, I'm an artist myself. So what I'd like to do is proffer selling my artwork and putting about 40%, which is almost twice that of most people who would offer to provide for their nonprofit. That's how much I care about our city. I'm willing to give up 40% of my earnings to my nonprofit so that I can help the next person that's, that's dealing with these issues. I love that. And it sounds like something, you know, that so people can, veterans can go through it, their families can go through it, and then they can turn around and become a mentor if that's what they so choose to do, which I feel like ends up being a passion. Like when you go through something, I mean, it's very similar to when you get into psychology or, you know, you get into certain, like I'm into health and wellness now because I went through my journey after transitioning out. And it's like, you start learning that and, and doing things for yourself to heal yourself first and then you pay it forward. So I just, I love that grace. So. Amen. I love what you do too. We're all doing that. You know, we're put on earth to help one another. It's all about relationships. It's helping the next person that needs the help. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, thank that's, you. Oh, thank man. you. Look at this. I have so many notes. That they, they, Yay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yay. Grace, thank you so much. I don't want to like cut us off, but. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I have to get my kiddo to football. We got to feed them. Yeah, you gotta you know, be. I like to eat. It's weird, the kids. But, um, I so appreciate your time, and I'm I'm excited because I know this is the very beginning of our our friendship, and yeah. we're gonna be working together more closely with lots of different things and chatting more. Yeah. So, but I just want to thank you for your time today. Would Would there be any other like parting words that you would want to say to our audience before? Well, we- I, I I would like to say you know. Every, always, you know, thank you so much for your service, whether you're, you know, a service member or a family member or someone supporting that family. You know, we tend to forget about the caretakers too, you know, so thank you for that, whether it be your mother, your father, or somebody that you pay, your neighbor, whatever, you know, we we have to rely on one another. You want to know why? There's nobody else there that's going to take care of us, but Mm -hmm. us, you know, and one more thing, since this is a women's podcast, I want to say you do matter because guess what? When you decide to have a baby and you decide to see that baby um, come to fruition, you've just created a new leader. It is upon us to make sure that we're doing the very best we can to show what love really is about. And by the way, kindness does not mean weakness. Mm. Kindness does not mean weakness. You know, I espouse nonviolence, but I also want to say and remind our leaders Nonviolence does not mean not defending. Mm. On the contrary, we're even more mindful and conscientious when we are doing nonviolent communications because it makes us think outside of the box. It's like telling our friends and family, stop using curse words. I love curse words, by the way, but stop using curse words because there's more words that can actually effectuate better change in people than those words that we choose to use. Mm-hmm. It. And one more thing, just anyone that's in that are that is involved with um, all things nonviolence, all things domestic violence, all things military veteran that is interested in maybe being a part of my nonprofit, please reach out to me. I need all the help that I can get. You know, this is a community oriented organization. What does that mean? It means you being there. How can you show your support by paying membership to be a part of it? Because that's what's going to drive 
the funding for our nonprofit. We don't have to keep doing fundraisers, but those are fun. The way to do it is to put your money where your mouth is, and that is to help us get funding so that we can provide services for free to the people that need it the most, the ones that can't afford it, right? All right, thank you so much, Grace. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you so much, Leah. I hope a ton of people reach out to you um, from this, and I just, I'm excited to be working with you more and more. So thanks for your stories, absolutely incredible. If you all did not catch the entire episode or episodes that turned from this with Grace and I, make sure you listen because she is a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, and it's it really just goes to show that we cannot judge a book by its cover because we would look at Grace and we would see this perfectly put together, beautiful woman and have no idea the crazy traumatic experiences that she has lived through and come out the other side as a better person and, and helping others. But more than likely, you know, she knows what you've been through. So, and can empathize with that. So Grace, thank you so much. You are a beautiful person inside out. Thank you so I much. You. And you so I look much. forward to the next time when we are chatting. So. Yeah, me too. Enjoy the rest of your evening with your children. Thank and you. And your spouse. All right. Thank you, you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. And make sure you're checking out neuroflow.com as well for your mental health needs. I will be putting the links for uh, Grace's business on here. So check those out as well. All right, you'll have a great night.